You're listening to a podcast from Gateway Baptist Church, leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. If you'd like to join us or find out more, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au. Good morning. Happy Grandparents Day. Great to uh, be sharing today on Grandparents Day. I remember about 12 or 13 years ago deciding it would be a good idea to celebrate Grandparents Day at uh, Gateway. It would be a lovely way to honour all the old people. And uh, I can't believe I'm now one of those people. Susan and I went to our first Grandparents Day at Kindy on Friday. Uh, Just gone. We were there with all the other old people. And I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's not easy getting up off those little chairs in Kindy anymore when you're an old grandpa. But I want to talk today about being grandparents in the grandstand. What does it mean to be grandparents in the grandstand, cheering on the next generation, passing on the faith that God has put in us to the next generation, encouraging the next uh, generation, you know, speaking faith and courage over the next generation, sharing extravagant love and grace of God with the next generation. Grandparents in the grandstand cheering on the next generation as they run their race. Come on, whether you're a grandparent here or not today, who wants to be that kind of person as you get older, cheering on the next generation as they run their race? Good, few of you. I'm hoping today that we will hear the encouragement of the grandstand of heaven for each one of us, whatever generation we're in. And I'm praying that it might be an example for us of how to cheer on the next generation in our family and in our church family. Hebrews chapter 11, it uh, lists a whole lineage of people down through the generations, generation to generation, people of faith, people who who trusted God's word, people who who trusted God's promise, you know, people like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and David and other kings and judges of Israel and people that were unnamed in Hebrews 11, but people that God saw who in the midst of great difficulty and challenge continued to be faithful to God in the midst of their challenge. And then as, as, as Hebrews 11 is rounded out, it then says in Hebrews chapter 12 that all of those people, all of those people of faith in the past, all of those past generations are in our grandstand cheering us on. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out for us with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We've got a grandstand. There's a, there's a grandstand in heaven. There's a grandstand of, of people of faith down through the generations that are cheering us on today. I wonder what they might be saying to us. And I wonder as we listen to their voice whether it might teach us how to cheer on the next generation. Grandpa Gideon. Grandpa Gideon is in our grandstand cheering us on. Now, Gideon lived in a time in Israel where they'd been disobedient for seven years, it says. They turned their back on God. They're worshipping all sorts of other idols and gods they'd made of stone and wood around uh, town. And God's hand of protection had come off them because of their disobedience. And it says that the Midianites was plundering them. A surrounding nation was plundering the people of Israel. Every time they planted crops, as soon as they got close to harvest, the Midianites, it says, would swarm in like locusts and steal all of their food. 
And so the people of Israel are scared. They're hiding in caves and they're hungry. And in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their desperation, they begin to cry out to God again. And God, in his extravagant grace, he hears their prayer. This is what it says in uh, Judges chapter 6. Let me just read a little bit of Grandpa Gideon's story. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon was English, and he sort of held his cup of tea with a little pinky up. Pardon me, my Lord. Very polite. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and has given us into the hand of Midian? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Again, very polite. I'm not very good at accents. Uh, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God finds Gideon hiding in a wine press, making sandwiches because he's so scared that the Midianites are going to steal his lunch. And God turns up and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Or in other translations, it says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The dude is hiding in a rock enclosure so that a surrounding army won't steal his lunch. He hardly looks like a man of strength and valor. He hardly looks like a mighty warrior. But God turns up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon is polite, pardon me, I don't get it. If the Lord is with us, why is all this bad stuff happening to us? And you need to understand, in this world that we live in today, your kids and your grandkids are asking the same question. They're they're looking at their social media feed, they're they're looking at the news, they're, they're hearing stories of what is happening around the world, and they're saying, if God really is powerful, and God really is loving, why is all this stuff happening? And as the older generation, we need to have the confidence to be able to say, because God said it would. Romans chapter 8, many other places in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus, uh, Mark talked about one of Jesus' last comments to his followers. You know, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but do not fear, I've overcome the world. Romans chapter 8, it says that the whole world is groaning under the weight of sin. But this is what we need to understand. When we cry out to God, the same God who heard Gideon's prayer, hears our prayers. Even when all that we've got is a groan of a prayer in the midst of the desperation and despair that we see around us, he hears our prayer. And it goes on in Romans chapter 8 to say, even though we face death all day long, you are more than conquerors. That neither death nor life, nothing in all of this world will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the midst of the groans, in the midst of this world that, that is groaning under the weight of sin, God is still hearing our prayers and he is still calling us to stand firm in our faith and shine a light of hope into hurting places, to be a light in the darkness. When the next generation are asking the same question as Gideon, why is all this happening if God is with us? We get to tell the next generation, don't look at this world and despair, but actually look at what is happening around the world. Don't don't look at this world and despair that God has left the building, 
Look at all that is happening uh, around this world and know that God has called you to stand firm in your faith and to bring hope to the hurting, to shine a light into the darkness. There is a call on your life for such a time as this in this generation. So God says to Gideon, he says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. And again, Gideon's polite. You know, part of me, what, what are you talking about? What strength are you talking about? I'm the least, I'm the weakest. I come from a hopeless family, all sorts of brokenness, and I'm the least in my family. And God says the same thing to Gideon. He says to every one of us in every generation, don't worry about your weaknesses. Don't worry about your mistakes. Don't worry about the little that you feel like you do have. I will be with you. I'll be with you. And that's all you need to understand. You see, God sees in Gideon something that he can't see in himself. He says, I see strength in you, Gideon. And Gideon needs convincing time after time. We just read a couple of the times that he comes before God and says, pardon me, I don't, I don't get it, I can't see it. But if you keep reading through Judges chapter 6, you see you know, Gideon saying, God, don't get angry with me, but can you just convince me one more time? I'm going to throw a fleece out on the ground, and if it's all dry on the ground in the morning but the fleece is wet, I'll know. I'll know that this is what you've called me to. I'll know that you're with me and you're for me. And God does exactly that. The ground's dry, the fleece is soaking wet. And Gideon says, oh God, God, sorry, sorry, one more time. Don't be angry with me. But can you just do it? Can you convince me one more time? I'll throw the fleece out and this time the ground will be soaking wet and the fleece will be dry. Can you do that for me? Just convince me. And God does it again. You see, Gideon is polite. But Gideon needs convincing that God's got a call on his life. He needs convincing that God has picked him for a purpose. He's picked him for a grand purpose. He's got a purpose in his life. I believe, you know, Gideon is in our grandstand today and he's cheering us on and he's saying to every single one of us, you have been picked for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. You're not an accident. You're not living a ho-hum life just going with the flow. You're not just the result of everything that's happened to you. You have been uniquely created and everything that is broken is being redeemed in Jesus Christ and you have been picked for a purpose. There are good works out there with your name on them. Don't look around the world and despair. Look around the world and say, God, what have you picked me to do? How have you picked me to fulfill your purposes in this generation? You've been picked for a purpose and many in the next generation are gonna need some convincing like Gideon. You know, I, uh, I, I got picked to play in a grand final and I got handed this jumper with this number on it. And it tells you something about my purpose. If you know anything about rugby, this number tells you that I was fat and slow. I couldn't swerve or sidestep. I wasn't allowed to kick, but I had to run hard and straight and try and snap pretty boys in the back line in half with my right shoulder. And don't judge me, but I still miss it every Saturday afternoon. How's <laughs> my purpose? I, I got handed this jumper with this number on it. And the coach went around, everyone in the side as we got our number. He says, this is your purpose. This is the bit I've called you to do. Uh, I limited things that I could do, but I had to play my part. 
in the overall purpose to, to win that game. There's a part for all of us to play, and it's going to be different for all of us, but there are good works out there with your name on them. There's a shirt out there with your number on it. There is a race marked out for you to run. And the good news is no one gets overlooked. No one gets rejected. This uh, same grand final, there's a coaches handing out the jumpers. There was a guy who was, we were 25 around that at the time. He was have been 17 and a half stone. He was a big unit. He played in the front row and he didn't get picked. He got left on the bench and he started crying in front of the whole team. He got called tissues for the rest of his life. It wasn't the kindest culture that I was a part of. But the good news, the, the good news about God's team, there's no tissues. No, no one gets overlooked. No one gets rejected. Every single one of us is picked for a unique purpose. And grandparents, parents, older generation, just like Gideon, the next, next generation are going to need some convincing. I, I remember at 19, as I surrendered my life uh, to Jesus and started you know, serving in the church. And I was working for my dad at the time on building sites. And eventually he came to me and said, what are you doing? He says, you've got a passion to work with people. I'm watching your passion as you serve in ministry. Don't stay working for me. Go and explore what God's got for you. I'm so grateful for that. My dad saw something in me at 19 I couldn't see for myself. You know, next year, I'm standing at a young adults camp that I really didn't want to be at. And I'm in the back row. And the, the worship leader out the front that I didn't know, he said, hey, you up in the back row in the green shirt. And, I, and I'm looking around because I'm colorblind. I, th I thought for sure I was wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> I, I'd had that shirt for two years. So you're in the green shirt. Says God's, God's going to position you in the Australian church to see a mighty move of his spirit. Trust him. Just keep being faithful with everything that God's given you. I remember at 19 going, what is he talking about? I couldn't get my head around it. I needed a lot more convincing. Ten years later, and I, I had been in ministry by this stage for eight or nine years, but I got to this crossroads moment where I'm, I'm 29, 30, and I'm going, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? Has God really called me to this? I had a, had a moment in holidays standing in someone else's church, a uh, person I didn't know, just before he gets up to preach, he says, you over there, I can't remember what color shirt I was wearing that night. He said, God just wants you to know that the, the dreams and the visions he's put in your heart are not your imagination. And they're not just your vain desires. They're from him. And you've got to trust them. And he's going to lead you to wells. He's going to lead you to places of living water where you can drink deeply and he's going to give you the strength to endure, to see those dreams and visions become a reality. I needed some convincing. The next generation, they're going to need some convincing. They're going to need to have people that are a little bit older, a little bit more gray hair. I'm glad I've still got hair, but I've got a lot of gray hair these days to, to, to speak to them, to see the God qualities in them and to draw it out of them, to speak to, to the, the, the things of God, the character of God, the heart of God, the call of God that's in their life because they won't always be able to see it for themselves. That's why the angel of the Lord turns up and says to Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Gideon saw himself as the least and the weakest but God saw strength in him, and he needed convincing he was picked for a purpose. Can I, can I encourage you, parents, grandparents? Look at the next generation. 
Speak faith into their hearts. Notice the God qualities that are in them and encourage them because they won't always be able to see it for themselves. Grandpa Gideon's in the grandstand cheering us on. You're picked for a purpose. Granny Sarah is in the grandstand cheering us on. God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah that their descendants would be like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. The only problem was Abraham and Sarah are already old enough to be grandparents and yet they have no kids. They're as old as the hills and they've got no kids. It seemed impossible when they're 75, you know, to believe that this promise from God, you know, could actually come about. But 25 years later, when the promise hasn't been fulfilled, it's now out of the realms of possibility. Sarah is in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith because she had faith in God in the midst of the impossible and she didn't give up. It says, by faith, even Sarah when she was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who'd made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. Sarah has a husband that's as good as dead. Put your hand up if you're sitting next to a husband like that. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. Do you notice, though, how everyone laughs when you're picking on the husband? Imagine if I did that the other way around. There's double standards in this room. I'm just, just letting you know. Granny Sarah is cheering you on from the grandstand. She had a husband as good as dead. You know, the part of this story that, you know, we never really talk about in church is they're still trying to have children. I know it's gross. <laughs> that old people would be still trying to have children. <laughs> they are. And somehow, God makes it happen. Sarah, at 100, has a child. And from this one child comes the 12 tribes of Israel. And from these tribes, faith in God gets passed from generation to generation through the decades. And then years later, when once again it looks like God has forgotten his promise, it looks like the world's gone dark and God has gone silent. And it looks like that God has forgotten his promise to his people. Well, once again, God turns up to descendants of Abraham and Sarah, Joseph and Mary. And they had the opposite problem. They weren't old people still trying to have children. They hadn't even started trying to have children. It's, it's equally as impossible. And yet God turns up and says to Mary, you're going to have a son. And you're to call him Jesus because he will forgive all people from their sins. And so when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ who lived and died on a cross to forgive our sins and rose from the dead on the third day, our sins are forgiven. And where we were once outside of relationship with God and outside of the family of God, through faith in Christ we are brought in to the family of God and we become descendants of Abraham and Sarah. It's why for decades now we've all been singing, and sing it with me, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has Father Abraham, I in one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg, turn around, sit down. I've got no idea what the right arm, left arm thing is all about. But through faith in Jesus Christ, 
We're all part of God's family. God was faithful to his promise to Sarah. And she held on to the promise. And they have descendants like sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. And I reckon Granny Sarah is in heaven in our grandstand cheering us on today. She's saying, our God is faithful. He is faithful to the end. Even when it looks like he's forgotten his promise, he is still working. He is still at work while we're waiting. Our God is faithful to his promise. He was faithful then and he'll be faithful now, and he'll be faithful in the future. Granny Sarah is in our grandstand saying, God is faithful. Don't give up. Run the race marked out for you with perseverance. You see, we've got a generation, younger generation now, that want what they want now. They want what they want to eat now, it's an instantaneous fast food culture. They, they want to see, you know, what, what, what they can see now. Who remembers? Who's old enough here to remember using a camera like this one up on the screen? Come on, hands up, anyone. You're really showing your age if you used a box brownie. But, you know, many of us moved on over time. Revolutionary 35 millimeter, you know, film. And, you know, we'd take a bunch of photos. That film would sit in our camera for three months and we'd forget about it. And then finally we'd send it off. Remember, we used to send it off somewhere to, to get developed. And you'd get two, you know, you'd order two copies just in case, you, you know, you needed to share them around. And you get them back two weeks later. You'd wait for two weeks, two weeks later, and you'd get them back, and you'd get a shot that looked, you know, a little bit like this. You know, it wasn't quite what you were <laughs> hoping for, but you had no chance of fixing it. You'd waited all this time to see it, and you couldn't fix it. We, our generation today, wouldn't dream of waiting two weeks for anything. We want what we want now. This is the important bit. The next generation, they cannot see God's future faithfulness. None of us can see God's future faithfulness. We've got to believe for what we cannot yet see. And we've got to cheer on the next generation and remind them that God is faithful because we've lived long enough to see that God is faithful. I want to encourage you, parents, grandparents, tell your stories of God's faithfulness to the next generation because they can't yet see God's future faithfulness. But it will put faith and courage in their hearts when they hear the stories of the past generation who testify to God's faithfulness in their time. To tell your story of when life didn't work out when it, as you had hoped. But God was still working. And, and you found that God was actually able to work all things together for good to those who love him. Tell your story of spending decades on your knees until God came through for you. You know, tell your story of, yes, there was pain and despair, but God is still redeeming the pain from my past. He is faithful to save, to heal, to redeem. Tell your story of when you only had a little and you trusted God with, with a little and he somehow was able to do something beyond anything that we could ask, dream or imagine. Tell your story of walking through dark valleys with the good shepherd and him leading and guiding you in paths of righteousness how he's always been faithful. The mountaintops and the valleys put faith in the hearts of the next generation. Like Granny Sarah's cheering us on in the grandstands of heaven, let's be the next generation that cheer on 
the generations coming through, reminding them that God is faithful. Run the race marked out for you for perseverance. Do not give up. Do not give up. Grandpa Gideon cheering us on. Granny Sarah is cheering us on. And weird Uncle Noah (laughs) is cheering us on from the grandstand. Who's got a weird uncle in their family? Come on, hands up. Don't point to them. Just We've all got a weird uncle. You know, the one that collects weird stuff or wears Hawaiian shirts all the time or, you know, just uh, says stuff that, uh, you know, is inappropriate or whatever it is. We've all got a weird uncle. Noah was a weird uncle. He starts building a boat in the middle of the desert the size of the Queen Mary. It says in Genesis 6 that at this time in Noah's generation, the earth was corrupt and full of violence. And Noah was the only one that was found that was walking rightly with God. He was walking in righteousness. But the earth around them was corrupt. They were sinning. And it was full of violence. And Noah stood out. He was weird. Noah was on a current affair. You know, here's a guy whose neighbors, you know, had set up security cameras, you know, to watch what Noah was doing because no one would believe it. You know, he's banging bits of wood together at 11 o'clock at night. No one would believe that, you know, the giraffe stole my washing off the line. You know, there's, there's a zoo in his backyard. We've got to live next door to it. It's a kind of house where there's Mr. Whippy vans out in the front. There's crowds of people would just come to see this crazy guy building a boat in the middle of the desert. But that wasn't the only reason that Noah stood out as weird. Noah stood out as weird because he was the only one that was walking in God's ways. When a world around him was sinning, it says this in Matthew 24, it says, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. They were sinning and laughing and they were mocking Noah. Some of you know what that's like you know, in a workplace where you want to walk in God's ways, you want to walk, live in righteousness. You don't want to just go along with the ways of the world. You know what it's like to be laughed at. You know what it's like to be mocked. They were laughing at Noah. They were mocking him for his ways until it started raining. Then he wasn't so weird when he got in the boat. Weird Uncle Noah is cheering you on from the grandstand today. And he's saying, sin will not win. Sin will not win. It might be fun for a moment, but eventually sin will steal your family, your faith, and your future. It's why the writer of Hebrews says, run the race marked out for you with perseverance, throwing off anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I reckon Noah would be saying, get rid of sin in your life today. Sin will not win in the end. Walking with God is where you'll see the promises of God played out. This isn't easy to do. You know, it's, you know I find it, it's, uh, it's fun to prophesy and speak faith into the next generation, help them to discover their purpose. It's a, it, it's a joy to declare the faithfulness of God and to testify of what God's done in my life to the next generation. But warning the next generation about sin and the consequences of sin is not easy. I remember growing up, I had a mate whose dad used to write out these obscure Old Testament references about men with long hair and put them under his pillow. It wasn't effective. 
35 years later, he still has long hair. And he's also a missionary in Spain sharing the gospel on university campuses. Can I just, old people in the room, I'm including myself in this. Come on, pick your battles. Honestly, who cares? The next generation are going to get funny haircuts. They're going to wear weird clothes. They're going to listen to music you don't like. Pick your battles. Because sins of sexual immorality and drunkenness and racism and hatred and apathy and gluttony, sins of revenge and unforgiveness, those sins will destroy your life. Warn the next generation. It's not easy. But humanize it. Share your own struggles. Share your own mistakes. Things that you've learned the hard way. And can I say this is most importantly, let's make sure we're actually following Jesus in a way that looks a whole lot better than anything that the world has to offer. Follow Jesus in such a way that they see the adventure of faith. They see the joy of following Jesus and see him at work. Make sure your joy in the Lord is so much better than anything that this world has to offer. Encourage the next generation to get rid of sin, the sin that so easily entangles because sin will not win. Lastly, wild Auntie Rahab is cheering from the grandstand. <laughs> Rahab was a shady lady. She was a prostitute living in Jericho on the outside of the city of Jericho. She's living outside the protection of the walls of Jericho. She's an outsider. She's living outside of God's plans for her life. She's living outside of uh, God's family. And she's even living as an outsider in her own city. But somehow... This broken, immoral, seemingly insignificant woman is listed in the Hebrews Hall of Faith along with all of the others. It says, by faith, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. When the spies from Israel, you know, came to look at the army they were up against in Jericho. They, they snuck onto uh, Rahab's roof where she hid them. She should have turned them in. She, she should have turned them over. Her allegiance should have been to her king. But in this moment, she switched her allegiance from her earthly king to the king of kings. She'd heard the stories like the whole city of Jericho had heard the stories of God parting the Red Sea and defeating the Amorites and, and, and people are quaking in fear. People have heard the rumors, they've heard the stories. But Rahab actually choose not just to hear but to put her faith, to put her trust in the king of all kings. And the... The spies said to her, you and your family will be saved if when we return, you've got a red garment hanging out your window. That'll be our sign that you have faith and you'll be saved. You see, grandstands are places that we nail our colors to the mast. We cheer on, you know, our teams and the, the colors that are, uh, playing out on the field. We wear the same colors. And just like Rahab was saved because of the scarlet cloth hanging out of her window, all of us today, no matter our past, no matter our mistakes, no matter our past shame, if we put our faith in God and the scarlet red blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for us. We will be saved in the same way that Rahab was saved. But I don't think she's in heaven 
waving a red flag or dressed in red any longer. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but the picture of heaven and the grandstand cheering us on is that all people, no matter what mistakes they've made in the past, are robed in white. Every sin, every blemish, every mistake has been washed clean. And we get to walk with God in intimacy. I reckon wild Auntie Rahab is cheering us on from the grandstand, saying there is no more shame in Jesus' name. Move on from your mistakes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who scorned the shame of the cross. He put it to death. He put your shame to death so that you can walk with him forever, robed in white. No more shame. It's good news. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that uh, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. As the scriptures say, as the scriptures say, can you just get to verse 11 for me? Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. What a great promise. The next generation need to hear it. There is no more shame in Jesus' name. Move on from your mistakes. God is with you. He's got a purpose for you. He will be faithful. And sin will not win. Can we stand together? I, I just love us to pray as we finish uh, this morning. I'd love us to pray for our grandparents, our great-grandparents, but for anyone in the room with grey hair. All right, you might use a bottle to turn it into a different colour, but if there's some grey in your hair and you've got a passion to invest in the next generation, cheer the next generation on. I just want to pray for you today. I'd love you to come down the front if you want to be that kind of grandparent. You want to be a grandparent in the grandstands, cheering on the next generation to run the race marked out for them. I just want to pray. I want to get some people to, around you to pray for you. Come on, just, just come to the front, if that's you. Grandparent, great-grandparent, old person with grey hair, want to invest in the next generation. Come on, young people, give them a hand as they come down. Come on, keep on, keep on. People, come on, give them a hand. Put your hands together. Thank them for their, their faithfulness in the past and their faithfulness today. Come on, keep moving. My God, old people take a while to get here. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, move into the front. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, but I just love someone to come and stand with these people. If you're, you might be a grandchild, you might be a son, a daughter, you might just be someone who loves Jesus and wants to pray for someone. Can I just get you? I'm going to start praying, but just come and stand with them. Just put a hand on their shoulder and just let a, a prayer from heaven start to rise up in your heart. Come on, push your way through. I don't know how you're going to get here, but uh, push your way through. Find someone to stand with. Just open your arms today, just ready to receive. Father, thank you. I do thank you for that great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on. God, thank you for the people of faith of yesteryear whose story still encourages us today. God, thank you for each person down the front here this morning. God, I pray that you would pour out a blessing on them. God, thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you that they've held on to you. They've held on to your promises. They're still walking with you today. God, I pray that you would fill their hearts with faith and courage. God, that they would, they would have faith 
for the race that's marked out for them, but they'd have faith for the generations coming through. God, you'd help them to notice, help them to notice the God qualities in people around them and call it out of them, to prophesy and encourage the next generation. God, I pray, give them eyes to see what you see. Give them boldness to speak what it is that you're saying. God, I pray that you give them opportunities to share their story of your faithfulness, to share their struggles, to share their victories, but to share that ultimately that you are faithful, God, to point the next generation to Jesus. God, I pray that you'd put faith in our hearts today as we pray for prodigals to come home. God, put faith in our hearts today for generational change, for healing to come, to heal wounds. God, would you give us faith today for hope and purpose for the future. God, for those that are trying to work out what what their next season of life looks like, would you give them wisdom to use it wisely? God, give them wisdom as they warn the next generation of the dangers of sin. Give them great wisdom, God. Give them grace as they do it. God, bless them. Bless their families. May faith be passed on from generation to generation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We need some more people to pray. We're going to sing to finish. But just come and stand with someone. Just start praying for them. Just pray a blessing over these families down here this morning.
way today that you've been encouraged. I pray you've been encouraged by the grandstand of heaven. And I pray that you'd go this week and you'd be the encourager. You'd be cheering on the next generation, whatever opportunities you get to. Maybe do it today before you leave out through those doors. Just find someone to encourage. Maybe this week, look for someone in your family. Just speak the things of God over their lives. God bless you. There is cookies out there for everyone as we celebrate Grandparents Day. Thank you, Razzie. Bless you. There is a, uh, a photo. I keep walking in the wrong spot. There's a photo booth out there for you to get a photo with all your family. And next week, starting a new series in First and Second Samuel, looking at the life of David. Uh, I really encourage you to be here next Sunday. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.